you, how great you are, how strong you are, Lord, in our lives, Lord. And we look to you tonight to strengthen us. And God, as I come to serve you and your people, Lord, I ask that you would, you would purge our hearts tonight, God. Lord, purge out those things that compete, Lord, against you, against your place in our heart, Lord. Take away those idols, Lord, that we've set up or allowed, and may they be dismantled tonight, Jesus. And so, Lord, continue to turn our hearts toward you, Lord, and fill this room with your love and the anointing of your Holy Spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. If you can grab your Bibles now, open them up to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. As you're turning there, I just want to remind you this Saturday uh, is actually a, I was reading a global day of prayer. So if you guys would like to take time with your families, maybe take a moment to pray, pray for our nation. Um, Franklin Graham is leading a march in Washington, D.C., a prayer march, and they're going to be praying, I think, in two different locations. They might even online broadcast what they're doing, so you may be able to catch that if you kind of search that and find it online. But uh, yeah, I encourage you guys, Saturday, sometime, take some time and pray as we lift up our, our nation and uh, really, it's the Second Chronicles um, verse, you know, about uh, humbling ourselves and praying that the, as we turn back to God that He'll heal our land. So anyway, that's the main prayer. Well, we come here tonight to our verse-by-verse study in the book of Luke, and we continue this four-part study on the temptation of Jesus. Now, we first started out with when Jesus was brought into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit there. And if you remember in that part one, our, our subtitle really was the opportunity for victory. So right after Jesus' baptism, the first thing he did was face off the, the devil there in the wilderness in the barren land. And there he, it became an opportunity. His test was an opportunity for victory where we can learn and we can find out how he got that victory. And then last time... Uh, then it came the first temptation of Jesus. And after 40 days of fasting, being uh, super hungry at his weakest moment, Satan came and tempted Jesus to use his power to turn the stones into bread. But Jesus, our hero, he held his position. He held, took the stand and he said, No man shall not live by bread alone. Life is more than immediate needs. And he said, But man will live by what? But every word of God that comes from the mouth of God. So every word that comes from the mouth of God. So that was Jesus going to scripture and then standing. And our subtitle for part two was live by the word and not by your wants. Well, so we continue here going into this second temptation of Jesus. There's three of them. This is part three here. And we're going to continue to learn how Jesus conquered uh, this temptation, these temptations and we're going to learn also, as you know, we've been learning about the devil's strategy. Now, I was thinking about that. Well, learning this is important because in 2 Corinthians 2.11, it says, and this is the NLT, I like how it words it. It says, to that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. The, the old translation says Satan's devices. You may have heard that. But we're talking about his evil schemes. But what we're learning and what we've been learning like last time and all, 
that Satan has this tactic. Satan has these strategies he uses and uses it. We find it throughout the Bible and we find it here. And so we, I want to bring out that tactic, but also we see how Jesus conquered the temptation, how he found victory in it. And through that, we can learn. One of his tactics really is to get us to compromise, to compromise loyalty and respect toward God. I was reading about um, uh, this this story, I, I, and um, you know, years ago, I, w- I was on a mission trip to China, and it was an awesome trip. and And uh, one of the things uh, we got to go to was actually, uh, uh, besides all the ministry we did, was we got to take a break, and we went to the Great Wall of China, and I got to go up, and we got to walk on it. It was just amazing. And, and, and did you know that you can actually see the, the Great Wall of China from space? I've seen some pictures like this. That, that's how enormous it is. Uh, the 1,300 miles of this wall, there, it's about uh, 23 feet high, 16 feet wide. And it was built, right? These 1,300 miles of wall was built to protect China from attack. And it, it was believed that no enemy could come and breach its defenses. But... The enemy did penetrate. How? Not by breaking the wall down or or breaking down a gate or even going through it. The wall was breached by bribing the gatekeeper. Well, in a similar way, that's Satan's tactic. He likes to come in, bribe us. He wants us to compromise. He puts something in front of us so that we would give in to be tempted to compromise our loyalty to God. So that's what we're going to kind of see as we get into our passage here. And we don't want to fall to that. No more. We want to learn here. We want to learn how to win against temptation. And that's our title, How to Win Against Temptation. This is part three. We're coming back to Luke chapter four. And we're going to study from verse five through eight this morning. And our subtitle today is this. Worship the Lord and not the idols. Worship the Lord and not the idols. So... Our outline is this. We're going to see three things. Number one, the optimum offer. Number two, the one catch. And number three, the only choice. So let's begin here. Number one, the optimum offer. And this is what Satan gives to Jesus, the optimum offer. So Luke chapter 4. And here in our section, we're going to look at verses 5 and 6. So verse 5 says, And the devil took him up. And showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, in verse 6, and said to him, To you, I will give all the authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. And we'll stop right there. So we begin here with this second temptation, how the devil took Jesus and showed him. Now, when it's talking about he he, he took Jesus and showed him these things, um, I'm not, we're not sure exactly how that happened, if he whisked Jesus away, or maybe this was just a vision, you know, where he was brought up to this high place, maybe a mountain, and maybe on the mountain was this big, you know, 80-inch LCD, you know, LED, you know, TV. I, I don't know, you know, but, you know, kind of probably more a 3D kind of showed him kind of thing. But, but you can imagine there, right? Either way, it's the devil doing it taking him up to this high place like as a vantage point maybe to see to see actually first of all as it says here 
uh, to show him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. So he showed them possibly all the kingdoms. Maybe it was over, they was overlooking Jerusalem and the land of Israel. Maybe he could see way farther out. Maybe the TV screen zoomed into these other nations at the time all around there. Perhaps, I, I think he even went into the future and showed future great kingdoms and palaces and governments and, and all these people under this, this ruler and authority and all of that. So I think in that moment of time, like like a video playing, you know, do, 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 you know, I don't know if you've seen some of the movies, but that's what they show, you know, flashing. All these great things and countries and everything that the, that dev, the devil showed Jesus there. And here specifically it says, showed him all the kingdoms, so all these nations and countries of the world in a moment of time. And then he said to him, to you I will give you this authority and their glory. Now, we're talking about these countries. And when we talk about authority here, in other words, God, I mean, the devil will give Jesus the, the position to be over, to be king, basically, right? And we know one thing that, uh, we know Jesus was destined to be a king and ruler over the earth, right? Uh, Daniel chapter 7 talks about how it was prophesied the Messiah, Messiah will have domin- dominion over all the nations, over all the peoples, different languages and all of that. There's a prophecy about the Messiah. So, so we know Jesus, he, he is. He is supposed to be this king. So now the devil comes, look, I'll give you all authority. I'll, I'll make you king of the earth. And not only that, he says here in verse 6, this authority and their glory. And so the authority I see is a, the position, but the glory is about the power and the possessions. So the devil's like throwing out three things. The, the uh, position, the power or possessions, and the power. And however order you want to do that. But, uh, but that's what the devil's throwing out. So along with being the king is going to come, A, the power, right? With that authority. It's going to come the possessions, being up there, being having the palace, having the government, having everything just as what a king would have. So here's the devil throwing these things out for Jesus. Hey, I'll give it to you. I'll, I'll, you can be king now. And, and look, throughout all the ages, you can be that king and ruler in that way. Now the interesting thing here in verse 6, he says, For it has been at the end delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. So here's the devil offering this position, these possessions, this power. He's offering it to Jesus. He says, because it's been delivered to me. What does that mean? I mean, and, and, and he says, I have the right to give it now. I can give it to whoever I want. And Jesus, I can give it to you right now. And what is that now? Is that true? Well, the answer to that is no and yes, I know usually we say yes and no, but I say no and yes because I want to give to you first, first of all, it's not true in the sense that we know God is sovereign over all things, right? He's, he's in control. We know scripture that he sets up leaders and he brings down leaders. You know, there's scriptures about that. So God is actually sovereign. He's actually over all this. But in a way, it's true. When, the, when Satan said it was delivered to me, I believe, and some commentators believe, what happened is, is that in the Garden of Eden, when Eve and Adam sinned, when Adam and Eve sinned, 
they, they gave up that dominion, that right to control the world that God had created for them. Remember, God had given them dominion over the earth, control over it. But when they sinned, they gave that up. And now Satan has that control now. And with that, uh, Jesus even said, oh, um, in John 12, 31, he said, the ruler of this world, he, that's who, who he, what he called Satan. He referring that to the devil. So in a sense, we see in some other scriptures too that the prince of the power of the air, right, in Ephesians 6, that, that Satan has this control, has this dominion over the earth right now. But we know in the book of Revelation when, when the scroll, yeah, who's going to take the scroll and no one's worthy, John is crying, but Jesus comes and then he's the worthy one and he takes the scroll. Many believe that's the deed to the earth. And that's when Jesus begins to really, really take control. So anyway, at this point, the, the, Satan has that, that right, that dominion to say, hey, I'll give you these kingdom, I'll give you these things right now. And so he's offering all this to Jesus. So the tempter now passes before the eyes of Jesus, right? This optimum off offer. It's this deal of the century. It's, it's hey, Jesus, I'll, hey, you'll like this one. You, you'll really want this one. I can make you king of the earth. You know, I think of how in the garden again, how uh, Satan tempted Eve by making the fruit look so good, right? And it says in Genesis 3, 6, but right before she ate of the fruit, it says it was a delight to her eyes or it was pleasing to her eyes. It's like, oh, that looks really good, yeah? And all that it represented, it looked really good. So that's what the devil's doing with, with Jesus right now. Oh, it's looking good. He, he, can, he can have the kingdom now, I'll give it to you. He can have it now. We're going to get a little bit more into what that means a little bit later. But, but that's appealing to Jesus right now. He can have it right now by Satan. And know this. This is the tactic that the devil uses and continues to use. He appeals to that part of us uh, with an offer like, oh, we can't refuse. This is his strategy to bring him that optimum offer to us. What's, what's really on our heart? What's, oh yeah, that, yeah, that looks really good. So, what we see here is the temptation tactic is to offer Jesus position, possession, and power. The temptation tactic is to offer Jesus this, this position, the possessions that come along with it, and the power that comes along with that. Turn over to uh, 1 John chapter 2. We saw this last time, but I want you to, to see this again. 1 John chapter 2. Now, as you're turning there, I'll just make a note that in the book of Luke, as we're looking at this temptation about uh, uh, G the devil showing Jesus all the kingdoms. Actually, in Matthew, that's the third temptation. And then what... Matthew has as a second temptation. Luke puts it as the third. And, and nobody knows exactly why it's flipped. Some say, oh, because uh, Luke wants to head toward Jerusalem. Uh, some, yeah, but I think, I, it, I think the Holy Spirit did that to relate to what John actually wrote in 1 John chapter 2. And that's why I want you to see this. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, 
If you remember, we saw this last time. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. So if you remember when we looked at this last time, the desires of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, right, in the old King James, uh, that, that pertained to what we saw last time, what turned the stones into bread, the desires of the flesh. Well, now... In the second temptation of Jesus, it pertains to this, the desires of the eyes. The desires of the eyes, the lust of the eyes, what, what you're really yearning inside of you. And it, it, it's, it's, it's really talking about uh, purpose or meaning or, or, or pulling on, on, on your heart or, or just things inside of you. So the, the, the desires of the eyes, this is what we're looking at here in John, I mean in Luke chapter 4. So no, this is the battle going on. But know this, you guys. Jesus is going to win over this. So we, we, we can learn from this. So the temptation and tactic is to offer Jesus that position. Oh, yeah, I get learning for that position. Oh, I desire, I could see that in front of my eyes. The, the possession, you know, all these things. And the power to have that control and all. You know, is that, let me ask you today, does that seem familiar? Is that what the devil does for you today? Is that how he pulls at you today? I mean, this is what he does. This is his tactic. I mean, think about this. Let's take this one by one. The devil tempts us with position, with position, right? To, to have that position, being on top maybe for some of you. Some of you, it's being the greatest or the best, the fastest, the smartest, yeah? The most muscles, maybe. I, I don't win at that. But, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, yeah? There's that pull in you. Yeah, I, I want that position. I want, I want to be there. I want to be that, you know? And let me tell you, it's not bad to reach for excellence. I mean, that's something I try and put in myself and everything I do. But it's not bad to do that. What's bad is if that becomes everything. What's bad is if that becomes your idol, you know, and takes the place of God. So it's not bad for that. But if you just go for it all and push everything aside, you know, what's the cost in that? Yeah? Sometimes people who, who, who are going for it and want, wanting that position and everything, what do they do? They step on other people. They, they do shady things, cheat, right? Uh, they do something immoral to reach that position, right? It's all sin. It's, it's the devil tempting, yeah people in the same way with Jesus to to have that position and you know what let me put this out too when I talk about position it could even be the position you have with others what I'm talking about is acceptance belonging you know having a position with some other people and so you cut corners or 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 or, or you do something more or or you know you you, you kind of compromise so or you can be with that in crowd there or, or you can belong yeah, to this group there. And sometimes that becomes more important even of God. And you begin to compromise to, to keep that or stay in that position. Watch out. This is one of the devil's tactics to tempt us with position. Well, the other thing we see here, right? He tempts you with possession. That's what he did with Jesus. The temptation tactic is offer Jesus position and possession. Now, well, that's easy, right? How many times are 
our material things, you know, become idols. How many times they pull on us. Uh, we focus on those things in the world, the material, the money, yeah, the riches, all of that. That can pull on us. Oh, we got to have, we got to have, right? Or we got to have that possessions to keep the position, right? Sometimes it's like that. Oh, I, I got to have a nice house like the other guy. Or I got I to gotta get the nice car like the other guy. Or I got I to gotta get the latest phone like the other guy, right? Um, you, you know, whatever that is. Yeah. Well, sometimes that's our pull. That's our temptation in that way. Sometimes it's money. Money, it's like, oh, I feel really good when, when, when I get money in the bank and I keep building and building it. Yeah. And something that... The bank account becomes your idol. Oh, I don't like spend anything. Yeah, you know, sorry kids, you know, no treats this week because no, I get my bank account. Or God, um, no, I don't want to give because I get that bank account. Right? Possessions in that way. Sometimes you 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 want to hold on, and 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 Satan tempts you with that. How about the third thing we see here? Satan tempts you with power. How about that in your life? Where we want power, yeah. Well, in other words, we want to control. We want to be the ones in control. We want to be the alpha here, right? We want to be not just have the position, but we want that position because we want the power. Sometimes that's what we're about, control, controlling others. You know what gets really bad is in our marriages, yeah. Sometimes wives beat down their husbands, you know. What? Do this, do that, do that, right? Sometimes husbands crush their wives with the criticalness. Yeah. No, I know, you're wrong. This is it, Da-da. right? And sometimes that's control, that's the power. We are tempted with power. We feel good when we're in control. We feel secure when we're in control. Sometimes children are strangled to a point with that control that they break out in rebellion later. Why? All because power of control we want that control we're always wanting to control things you know what satan knows us again it's not bad to have discipline in the house not bad to you know have have things that you do and and make sure you know your 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 household is for the lord but sometimes we go overboard with this control and it's more about us having that position and having that role because we want to control the other person, or the other thing, or control this or that in our lives. Watch out. Don't fall into temptation. Don't fall into this temptation. Because think about this. Satan's putting this out to Jesus, right? And when the devil puts that out to us, you know what? When we give into it, you know what we're doing? We're making a deal with the devil. That's what we're doing. We're making a deal with the devil. This is the optimum offer here for Jesus. We're making this deal. We should shut the door when he comes knocking here. A writer, uh, Arno Glasgow, once said, Temptation usually comes in through a door that has been deliberately left open. We've got to shut the door to this. So recognize this strategy. Yeah? Be aware how Satan's going to come. He's going to come and tempt you with that power, possessions, with the, with the position and all that. And that's how he's approaching Jesus. Don't even, don't even open the door to him. And that's how to win against temptation. 
Well, let's go on to number two, the one catch, the one catch. Verse seven now. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. So pretty simple, pretty short. Uh, The devil finishes up talking here in verse seven. And so you see what he's saying. Oh, I'll give it all to you. Yeah, it's all yours. I mean, it's been given to me. I'm going to give it to you. Here it is. But hey, there's one catch here. There's one thing you got to do for me. Quid pro quo here, okay, you know, come on, yeah. The one thing, if you then, if you want this, if you then, you know what, worship me. If you worship me, it'll be all yours. The word worship here in the Greek is uh, proskaneo. And it, it, it means to bow down in reverence. It means to honor like and respect it means worship in every way that we know of it as we worship God. Uh, the word literally means to kiss the hand. Like you go to a king and you kiss the hand in honor and respect and reverence of that king. Yeah, the, the, the word is taken from uh, another Greek word. It's based on another Greek word that actually means, uh, 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 is used for a dog licking the master's hand. And I bring that out because I think of, oh, that's what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to be like a dog licking his hand. So here's the, here's the one catch. The one catch, Jesus. You want the earth? You want to be king? Well, bow down to me and honor me like what you do with God. That's what he's saying. That's what he's, that's what he's trying to get Jesus to do now. Now, we know from Ezekiel 28 that... Satan was, we believe, was, was this, well, we know from Ezekiel 20, he was this, this archangel, right? He was a high-ranking angel. And from Ezekiel 28, many believe that he was probably the worship leader in heaven. And then we find out more in Isaiah 14 that it tells us this angel fell. This archangel, Satan, he fell, and he lost his position there in heaven. You know why? Well, in Isaiah 14, Verse 13 and 14 says this, You said in your heart, talking about this uh, Satan, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the, the, the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the earth. I will send above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. So you see, Satan's whole deal is to set himself up like God and to be worshipped. Like God. So this is exactly what he wants from Jesus. This is exactly what he wants from people. Satan wanted to be worshipped. He wanted that possession, position himself. Yeah? He, he wanted the possession of having everything and being the guy, you know, and everything that God had. And he wanted the power. He wanted to rule the earth here, rule over everyone like, like God does. So, think about this now. What Satan put forth to Jesus, it's what he wants too, right? It's what he went after, and that's why he fell. And that's what Isaiah 14 tells us. So, think about this. Most people say that, I mean, if you were to ask people, do you worship Satan? Go, no, I don't worship Satan, you know. He's evil, no way, no way. You know, I wouldn't do that. But, did you know, when you honor him, 
by following these ways, right? When you put idols up like position, possession, and power, then you're like worshiping Satan because you're doing what he wants. You're doing what he, he, he wants to receive. You're doing what he's about. So here, here's the point here. The temptation is to ultimately get Jesus to reverence Satan by honoring what he honors. You see that? The temptation is to ultimately get Jesus to reverence Satan by honoring what he honors. Interesting, yeah? Turn over to uh, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. Turn to the right. Past John and Acts and Romans. If you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Chapter 10. There's an there's a, uh, interesting verse here. Verse 20. Now, as you're turning there, let me explain. Paul's been talking about how uh, food offered to idols is nothing. The idol is nothing. There's, it's not real, right? It's a false god. There's not a real god or anything. So it's, it's just nothing. But then he does say this in verse 20. He says, no, I imply... That 1 Corinthians 10, 20. No, I imply that what pagan sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. So what he's saying is, the idols are nothing. But you know what? Behind the idols is a demon. Because people go and worship these idols and, and, and think they're real. Well, the demons can play along. And, and pretend like this idol is real and do, do some things and making it real. So Paul's saying, the reality is, is when these people go and sacrifice and worship the idol, they are actually, when they go and honor the idol, they are actually worshiping demons. Isn't that crazy to think about? I think Deuteronomy 32, Moses even talks about that also. So they're actually worshiping these demons. So it's possible to take these idols, you guys, and actually end up, what it means is we're worshiping Satan. That's what this temptation is, to ultimately get Jesus to reverence Satan by honoring what he honors. Have you given in to these temptations? To, to, to make a deal with the devil? Focusing in on those idols and actually you're, you're, you know what? You're honoring him and his ways. Now, when I talk about idol, you know, I'm not talking about like a literal tiny statue or statue or something you're going, right? But I'm talking about the things that whatever's replaced God in your life, whatever that you have put higher than God in your life, whatever has become more important than God or Jesus in your life, that's the idol in your life. That's the idol. It, it, it could be, again, material things, but it, it could even be some, some, some purpose or meaning in your life. It, it could be like that. I mean, you know what? In the city of Corinth, where in 1 first, first Corinthians, right, is, uh, is Paul's writing to the people in Corinth, in the city of Corinth, there were temples, a lot of temples to the Greek gods and, and all. And um, there's three famous ones 
that were standing there. So this is like the background here. And there was one temple, a famous temple, was the Temple of Apollo. He was uh, one of the sons of Zeus, powerful god, right? And he was known as god of, of sun and light, god of music, uh, healing, medicine, and plays. That, that was Apollo. So people go and, and worship, right? If they're into music, well, we're, we're going to, music's my thing, we're going we're gonna to worship Apollo over there. Yeah. There was another uh, temple, famous temple there in Corinth. It was the Temple of Poseidon. Guess you guys know Poseidon, right? Yeah. He was the god of the sea and also earthquakes. So people were into the ocean, people were into that. Yeah, they go worship. Oh yeah, Poseidon, my god, yeah. And also they go and honor Poseidon because a lot of the trade uh, that went that came to Corinth, it was on the ocean, uh, came through ships and all that. So they pray to and honor Poseidon, so the trade would keep going. So in a way, they they worship business. Their idol was business and trade. Another temple, and this was the most famous one, was the Temple of Aphrodite. That was the most famous, and you know that is that's that's the god of love, or today I would say it was a god of lust and sex. Uh, remember I mentioned that they had like a thousand cult pros, um, prostitutes as like their priestesses and all. So some people are into lust or pornography and all that more than God. Some people are into other people, um, you know, relationships above God. So do you understand? We're not just, we're not talking about images or something like that. You know, what I'm saying is whatever idol you may have set up you know, in the end, you're really bowing down to Satan. And you're honoring what he honors. You're just doing what he wants of you. So watch out for that. Don't fall for that. Don't fall for Satan's, well, there's just one catch here. Yeah, you can enjoy that. Yeah, you can set up that. Yeah, you can focus on that. Oh, there's just one catch. You've got to honor me. And you are honoring him when you fall to that temptation. So don't fall to that. Keep that in mind, and that's how to win against temptation. Well, let's go on to number three now, the only choice, the only choice. And so we come back to uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 8, and it says, And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Woohoo, here's Jesus again, yeah? What does he say? What does the first thing he does? It is written. He pulls out, right? The sword of the Lord. Yeah? You guys have your sword? This is a sword. Did you know that? This is the sword of the Lord, Ephesians 6, the word of God. Some of you have virtual swords, I know, but I guess it's still okay. But <laughs> the but first thing he does, he pulls out the scripture, and that's how he fights the devil, in temptation. He says, it is written. And here he begins to quote, uh, basically paraphrases from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13. And he says, you shall worship the Lord your God. Same word, proskuneo. You shall honor, bow down in reverence, respect, be loyal to who? The Lord God. Not Satan, right? What's the first commandment? Uh, you shall have no other gods before me. Right? That's what it's all wrapping into here. Is Jesus saying, no. You know what's in the word? 
I'm not to worship you. I'm to worship the Lord your God. And he says, him only shall you serve. The uh, original verse, well, at least in our translation, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13, it says, it is the Lord your God you shall fear, which means reverence and worship, him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. The word serve here, and in, in the New Testament, and what we're reading here, is like a version of proskuneo, and it means like to serve in worship to the Lord, or do things in worship to the Lord. And so it's all about honoring God, respecting, reverencing God in all we do. So Jesus stands his ground. He's saying, no, you know what? There's only one choice. The one choice is to stick doing things in a way that honor God, to worship God, to do everything to worship the Lord. Now, I want you to see something here. The appeal to Jesus to be king over all the earth was, was super strong for Jesus. You've you got to understand that was a temptation of Jesus. I mean, he wasn't thirsty, not necessarily for that, you know, position and, and possessions and power and everything. But what was really strong for him is that the end of his mission was he was to what? Be the Lord God, King, ruler of all the earth, right? We know that. That's what the second coming is all about. But before he gets there, what does he have to do first? Die on the cross, right? Go through immense suffering and pain and then rise again from the dead after that. To be king of the earth was, was way down the line. The first step for him was to walk this earth, right? Be among the people, teach them, to be painfully betrayed by Judas, right? And then turned in to be killed and to, be die, to die on the cross for our sins. That, that wasn't, that's not a fun thing to look forward to. But it had to be that way. I mean, if he was to just take over the earth, he could enforce some rules and all that, but the heart wouldn't have been changed, right? His, the first step, really, was to die on a cross so that the kingdom of God could come into our hearts and then he could come and rule and reign as the kingdom of God would literally be on the earth. So, he had to go through the cross first. But Satan's temptation was strong because Satan was tempting him with a shortcut to the end of his mission. So you see, the tactic of the devil is to tempt Jesus to take the shortcut in his mission. So you see what's going on? Yeah. You see how, how Satan came in? Oh, oh, like this optimum offer. Hey, Jesus, I got this offer for you, right? I know your mission. I know you. I, you're Lord God. I know you're going to be king of the earth. But you know what? I got, I, I got this offer. Bypass the cross. I'll give it to you right now. You don't have to fight for it. I'll just hand it over to you. Yeah. But there's one catch. <laughs> you got to worship me. You got to honor me. Yeah. And, but Jesus says, no, there's only one choice. Yeah. I worship only God. Even if it means I have to go through this. 
So the tactic of the devil is to tempt Jesus to take the shortcut in his mission. Does that, does that sound familiar? Doesn't the enemy come to us? Take this shortcut. Take the easy way. Do what's convenient. No, you don't, oh, you don't want to go through that. Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll help you out here. Hey, what? Give your money when God wants you to give? What? Wait, wait. No, 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 no. I'll make it work. I'll work it out for you. He comes in and he wants you to take that shortcut and draw you in in that way. Do you know that Satan didn't let up on Jesus and all this? He didn't let up at all. Remember when Jesus was sharing with the disciples that the, his mission was to suffer at the hands of the Jewish leaders, be betrayed, and then he'll be killed on the cross. But hey, the third day I'll, I'll, I'll rise up from the dead. This was Matthew 16. And then what happened next in there? Peter said, hey, Jesus, come over here. Come here. I, I, I need to talk to you. And he took Jesus aside and said, Not so, Lord. No, Lord. No, 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 no. This is not going to happen to you. Now, make a note to yourself. Never say no, Lord, to the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Peter's like, no, that can't be the plan, Jesus. No, no, we know you're the Messiah. You're supposed to come in, take over the Romans, take over the, become king now, you know, set up the, the God's kingdom. We're going to be your servants. We're going to be, you know, in there with you, part of your government. And, you know, Israel is going to be with everything that we, we've, has been prophesied, you know, in the scriptures. But no, we know, don't talk like that. No, Jesus, no. And what did Jesus, how did Jesus respond to Peter, do you remember? Get behind me, Satan. It was the same thing we see here in Luke chapter 4. Coming in, hey, no, 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 you don't have to do that. Just use your power now. Take over, you know. Hey, hey. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, in Matthew 16, 23. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And I think that's our problem. Satan entices us with the things of man. yeah, Things that, oh, work out for me. And remember I said overall, generally the temptations are going to be pulling out our self-satisfaction and our self-gain. Right? Overall, all these temptations. Oh yeah, the things of man. That's all. Oh, this will work out this way for me and for me and this way. But the things of God is about God and His plan and His glory. Listen, don't get tempted here by Satan. Oh, I want to get married. But God said, just wait, I got someone for you. No, I like this guy, but he's not a Christian. No, but I don't care. Yeah? We want it. Now we want to take that shortcut to our dream of marriage, right? But God's saying, no, wait, wait, no. We want that promotion. We want to get to that position, you know, that place. And Well, if I do this, this, and God's saying, no, don't do that now. I get another plan. Well, no, if I do this, and you start manipulating things so you can reach that, ooh, that goal, that position, and Satan has you. Yeah. Here's a shortcut. Well, God's saying, no, I want you to do this. Well, that seems so long. My way is better. I think it's a shortcut. Oh, I want to be a ministry. Oh, oh, I want to be this missionary. But oh, oh, I'm I'm gonna try and talk to the right people. You know, send in the right letters, and uh, we start trying to work things out. And no, God says, I get 
a plan. I'm still training you. It's going to take a little while, but I have my timing. Just hold on. Think about this. What's the great, one of the, um, next to Jesus, let's say, what's the greatest thing that, that you kind of hold in your heart? Is it some mission? Some purpose in your life? Maybe it's a meaning in your life? You know, something that oh, you, you, was all, so important of you to do, right? Be careful because Satan's going to tempt you with that. Think about Jesus, right? He wants to be over the world, to make the world right, yeah? He doesn't like the injustice going on. He doesn't like all this crime and, and people being treated bad. So he wants to come in and bring a righteousness, right? Yeah, he wants that. It's something on his heart. Satan's like, hey, you could, man, you could, I'll give it to you now. No worries. You can have it. Use your power. Make the world right. That was important. That's why it's such a strong, strong temptation for him. Some people are like, oh, my task is care for kids. And, and that becomes everything. But you know what? Even ministry to kids become an idol. Some people's like, the word of God is so important. Yes, and it is. We're ministering to kids. It is important. But you know what? Sometimes this actually becomes an idol. This should bring you to God, to love you God, but to love God more. But sometimes this becomes an idol. And like, no, you against this? Oh, yeah. And then you begin to have these attitudes. Anyone who comes against you. The temptation is to take maybe a good thing that God has put in your heart, but to go accomplish it Satan's way, taking the shortcut, and not God's way. Watch out, you guys. Because even those things can become, become idols, can become idols. And, and so don't give in, even when the devil's persistent. Recognize this right now in your life. I don't know what it is in each one of your hearts here today or you online. I don't know what that one thing is, but be careful that does not become the idol in your life. And you do everything for that, even putting God aside. Then you know what? You're an easy target for Satan. And even if you struggle on that, oh, keep it Keep your defenses around it. If that's that weak area, keep defenses around that because the devil is persistent. I'll close with this. Struggling to make ends meet on his salary, a Christian man was upset as he confronted his wife with the receipt for a $250 dress she had bought. He said, how could you do this, he asked her. Well, the wife is like, well, I was outside the store looking at the dress in the window and then I found myself trying it on <laughs> and then she said it was like Satan was whispering in my ear you look fabulous in that dress buy it now well the husband replied you know how to deal with that kind of temptation you know what I do I say get thee behind me Satan I know, replied the wife. I did that. But then Satan said, it looks fabulous from the back here too. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Watch out. Watch out. He's persistent. He keeps passing those thoughts. He keeps putting these things before your eyes. 
But the Lord, remember, says, commandment one, right? Have no other gods before me. So, you know, tear down those idols. Yeah. Tear down those things that, that you're like gripping and going, wait, that you want your mission or your purpose or the meaning. of Put that aside. I'm not saying they're bad. But what I'm saying is, don't let it get above God. Worship the Lord and not your idols. That's our subtitle, guys. Worship the Lord, not your idols. And this is how to win against temptation. Let's pray. Jesus, Lord God, all this humbles us to think about those things that we allow, Lord, to become idols. Things that take your place, Lord. Things that we give worship to when it should belong to you. God, things that, for the most part, are probably okay in their place, but they get out of place when we begin to build them up and prop them up higher than you, Jesus. Forgive us, God, right now, of our sins. Tear down the idols, Lord, and help us to love you, God. Help us to be... Lord, see, help us our, help our eyes to see you as the only one, as the only choice here. All these other things, whether good or bad, Lord, they're nothing compared to you. Lord, we need you. We want you, God. Help us today, Lord. There's so many things that pull at us, so many things we can be busy with, so many things that... that Go before our eyes and we lust after so many things that maybe we grew up that, oh yeah, we got to stand for this and stand for that, yet how we handle it is more in the flesh and not in the spirit. So many things that rightly so, our ministry, standing up for your word, Lord, it can get out of hand when we use it to tear people down and not build them up. When we use it to to prop up our position, but not find love for you in it. So, Lord, help us today, God. Lord, thank you for loving us, though. And, God, I thank you that you did not fall into this temptation, but you went through the cross. You went the way of the cross and died for our sins. And I pray for anybody who's struggling with temptation, has fallen, God, that they would come to you and find forgiveness and salvation. And I pray for anyone else here right now that fallen in these areas, that you would come. You're our hero, Lord. That you would show us the way out, Lord. That you would forgive us, have mercy upon us, Lord, and give us grace to live another day, Lord. But this time, God, with victory, Lord, not falling and in defeat. So Holy Spirit, come upon us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.